Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. So welcome everybody back to the Brand Design Masters podcast. I'm really excited because I'm here today with a good friend, Bridget Callahan. And Bridget is a slide presentation designer and strategist with over 30 years of experience creating compelling presentations. And she's worked with some of the biggest names in the business, Xerox, Acura, Samsung, PayPal. And she's super passionate about helping speakers create slides that engage and inspire their audience and turn them into raving fans. And with that, I'd like to welcome Bridget. Hi, Philip. It's good to see you. Good to see you too. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you because as I was as I was saying, I don't know a lot of people who really specialize in what you specialize in. And I'd really love to um, understand kind of where that came from. But first of all, why don't you just introduce yourself and let people know a little bit more about who you are? Well, I'm I'm an artist, right? I, I knew I wanted to be an artist when I was a zygote. That's what I tell people. Because even when I was a kid, I was drawing and my mom really uh, fostered it for me. And I knew I wanted to be an artist growing up. And my stepfather told me one day, he says, you'll never make money as an artist. And that just killed me because I said, I have to prove him wrong. You know, I have to be successful as an artist. And I never saw myself, I'm never going to have my own business, no way. And so I worked in corporate I worked for other companies for, uh, I don't know, um, 15 years after college, I got a degree in art. And then I realized, you know what, I I was freelancing. I was like, well, let's make it a legit business. And so I've had my graphic design business since 1999. And we never looked back. You know, we kept making more money year after year. And it's like, I love doing this. And I love surrounding myself with artists that work with me that love what they do too. And it's like, wow, you can make money doing art. So it's like, Sorry, Dad, but you know, <laughs> I think I'm pretty successful. <laughs> I figured it out. <laughs> right. So back in 1999, I mean, that's like early digital years. So how did you go about kind of marketing and promoting yourself back then? How did people become aware of Bridget Callahan? Well, you know, it was all word of mouth. I mean, for me, when people knew how passionate I was with the work and how diligent I was, we were expert at production, you know, so printers used to rave about the work we delivered because they never had problems with printing it. And um, we worked in large format graphics too. I worked for a company for six years that uh, wrote software for the sign making industry. And it was just when they started doing color printing and our company was number three when I started. And within six months, we were number one in the world and we were the one of the first to take a, a semi-truck and wrap it in graphics. And we used that as our trade show booth. So we would go to the trade shows with the semi-truck driving with all these colorful graphics around it. And it took 23 days just to print the panels because that's how slow the rips were then. That's amazing. That That is totally amazing. It'd be hard to find out that you got a color wrong, you know? You were like 14 days into the print and you're like, oh man, the Pantone doesn't match. <laughs> oh, well, we weren't that critical. I mean, it was a, it was an illustration of people at work. And um, one of our artists was the illustrator for it. And he did a great job. He was kind of emulating how does the sign industry create color graphics and kind of going through the process of creating art. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And um, it, it printed really good. I mean, sure, there was a lot of prints that they, we threw away. But um, and then I got to go with them to Florida because we printed all these in California. And then I went, got to go to Florida because they had a specialist that wrapped the, the semi-truck. And so I videotaped him wrapping it and we created a digital 
CD back then as our marketing material. So we didn't hand out folders at the trade shows. We handed out a CD. CD, wow. Ooh, high tech. Yeah. Like the precursor <laughs> to the USB drive. So how does one, you know, how tell tell us about that little that pathway you went from working in corporate to actually ending up being a presentation specialist. Was that a kind of a direct jump or were there kind of some jogs in the path? Yeah, it was like my first job out of uh, college, I got hired within two weeks of graduating, which was unheard of for most people. And I got hired to assist an art director because she was pregnant and she was going to leave in six months just to go have a baby. And then she was coming back. So I was replacing her. And I remember she got really threatened and she said, I'm coming back. This is my job. And I'm like, of course, that's the agreement. Right. But they loved me so much. They kept me on. And so she and I worked together and became great friends for two years working for an automotive aftermarket, all male dominated all these scantily clad women's caressing wheels. <laughs> this is back. <laughs> and nice. we're like, well, we got to change this look. <laughs> so I learned the ropes of graphic design because my, my training was in uh, fine art printmaking. And I knew I wasn't going to make it as a fine artist. I knew that. I knew I, I was going to make it in commercial art, but the school I chose didn't have the commercial art training. So all the commercial stuff was learned on the job. And, you know, my art training comes into play all the time, like, you know, creative white space, you know, and then learning the fonts and all that kind of stuff. So then I moved to San Diego after two years and got a job working for a multimedia company. And I had no idea what they do. I was just assisting the art director and he was kind of this eclectic Hollywood type guy. Right. And one of the first assignments he gave me was he handed me a globe and he says, you want to paint all the water white and all the uh, land black. And I'm like, huh? He's like, water, black, water, you know, whatever. Right. And I said, just go do it and bring it back Monday. And so it was, it was in the days of MTV just coming out. So I just sat and watched MTV all weekend and painted this globe. <laughs> I came back Monday and uh, he says, did you paint the globe? And I said, yeah, here it is. Perfect. Great. Walk this down and give it to the photo studio. And I'm like, you have a photo studio here? <laughs> so I go down there, hand it to the photographer and he puts it on a spindle, the spindle, let's see, and then the globe, and he rotated it 12 times and took 12 still images. And back then it was called multi-image. So basically it was two 35 millimeter slides next to each other, and then a third one overlapping with panels, with um, blends. Mm. So that would create the panoramic view. And so once he shot that film, it went to the Marin Carroll department, which we also had there, and they created the slides. And then two days later, I'm at my drawing board and I hear this loud music. And I'm like, what's that? He says, oh, they're programming the show for NCR. Why don't you go watch? I'm like, where do I go? He says, the theater. I was like, you have a theater? I <laughs> <laughs> so learning on the job. The theater. Right. And uh, he, this guy's programming on like, this ones and twos computer. Because you think of a projector. A projector takes a, a, a slide to a two seconds to cycle. So they had 36 projectors projected on the screen, you know, um, all aligned and everything. And so two seconds, when you think of 36 projectors, you can create animation. Mm. And so the music welled up, the lights were dark, all of a sudden the color kind of slowed up and then the globe was just rotating slowly and it was blue and green. And it was like, oh, I feel like I'm at Disneyland and I painted that. <laughs> so I was hooked. I was hooked after that. And I was, uh, so the show business aspect of it kind of got you hooked into the presentation piece. Well, I spent uh, four years in Hollywood 
when I was a teenager, my parents uh, lived in Hollywood. So being around that and having people making movies down the street from you and going to you know school with famous people, but we weren't born in Hollywood. I was born in Southern California, but we didn't, you know, weren't there the whole time. So it was just like, I really like this industry, but I felt like I wasn't good enough to be in that industry. So I'm like on the peripheries down in San Diego, right? But it was like, they were doing stuff that was big and had impact. And we were doing shows for American Airlines and Bridgestone Tires. And um, they were j- large sales meetings that they spent a lot of money, you know, with all the equipment and stuff. And you got to think before computers, mm-hmm. this was before computers. <laughs> um, and so seeing, you know, how we created slides, it took three days just to make a type change. Because we had wow. to get this type set. Unless I could find one from another piece of artwork and paste it in there, you know, we got good at that. But from there, then um, I moved on to other jobs in corporate that was just graphic design stuff. It wasn't slides, but there was a producer that used to work. We worked together and he would hire me to say, can you design some slides for this client? And then slowly we moved into the computer realm. And then I got asked to go live on these um, events and run their PowerPoints, so mm. run their computer. So I was right. really good at a technical aspect, but also working with the speakers live, you know, before they're going on stage, like, I, I need to make a change to my slide or can I review my slides real quick? And so helping them with that and, and seeing the excitement and being on headsets and all these guys are on headsets and they're talking dirt and stuff. And it's like, I can hang because I had brothers, you know, so I, was, <laughs> I really loved the roadie part, you know. And um, after 30 years of doing that, uh, I realized they're not putting much thought to their slides. These corporations, they spend big bucks to create these events and the banners outside in the hallway look great and the badges and their handouts and everything, but they just don't put the thought to their slides like you think they should. And I see audiences getting taken out and I'm like, wow, why are they doing this? They don't realize it because they're on stage and they think it's good enough. Their secretary did their slides or maybe their art department did their slides. But the problem I found is most art departments, corporate art departments, don't understand how to design for slides. Mm. And so it was in my years of experience learning what works and what doesn't work and then talking to different people in the industry like producers who who do events, they have very big opinions, but they don't always share them because people don't listen to them. You know, we're doing it the way we want to do it. And you kind of have to say, okay, <laughs> you're paying the bills. <laughs> now, chances are many of you listening might have first come across me via my YouTube channel. Building my presence on YouTube has done more to build my personal brand than any other platform. So I want to share with you the one resource that was critical in growing my channel. It's a YouTube plugin called TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy is a freemium browser extension that you use to manage and optimize your YouTube channel videos. It saves a massive amount of time doing the mundane tasks like adding cards and managing your video descriptions. But it also provides incredible value through its video analytics, showing you data about your competitors' videos that's absolutely invisible without it. It also helps with adding metadata to your videos so they show up better in search. If you want to take your YouTube work to the next level, you have to get TubeBuddy. You can support this podcast by signing up through our affiliate link. Just go to TubeBuddy.com slash Philip Van Dusen. It's easy to remember. Just type in TubeBuddy.com slash Philip Van Dusen to check it out. By adding TubeBuddy to your video workflow, I guarantee you your channel will grow much, much faster. Just go to TubeBuddy.com slash Philip Van Dusen and sign up for TubeBuddy today. 
So what did you learn there in, in all of those years of watching those in terms of, I'm sure you took the, those learnings and are now executing on that expertise in your strategy work now. But so if someone is thinking of doing a presentation, what's, what's the one thing you would say that you should definitely do? Sit in the audience's chair and realize, you know, what are they going to hear from you? And what do you want them to remember and take away with? So I think most speakers, it's hard for them to, to get in the audience's chair and see, see yourself presenting. And so I act like that audience. When I work with the speakers, I tell them, I says, I want you to know, I don't care about you. I care about your audience. And they go, oh, that's interesting. Because I want them to show their best and be their best and, and present their best so that the audience can consume it and walk away. So when we start a conversation, it's like, well, what do you, what's the outcome you want from this talk? You know, whether it's a speak to sell or speak to motivate or something else, a lot of times they don't get present to what results do you want to happen after the talk, a week later from the talk, two weeks later. And um, so we'll work on that and then we close the gap. So once we have the outcome, well, you're going to stand up on stage, you're going to say all this stuff, but you know, how do you want them to react? How do you want them to emote and 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 what results do you want they them to produce? And then we want to seed through the talk. Uh, you're really good at seeding, by the way. I, I've seen you talk before, <laughs> but I think a lot of people don't understand what seeding is. It's really basically kind of closing that gap to that final outcome. Right. So what you do with slides is obviously really closely um, uh, enmeshed with the actual copy of what they're what they're saying, what they're what they're speaking about. Do you get involved in that at all, or how does how does that piece of it inter and kind of interlace with the strategy part of of presentation slides? Like the script writing? Yeah, how does script writing kind of affect what you're doing in in your slide work? Oh, big time! I mean, if they if they hire a script writer, I love working with script writers because they know the business. I myself am not a script writer. Can I edit text? Yeah. Can I can I say maybe you should say this or that? Of course, we're all critics, right? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> us creatives, yes, we are. <laughs> you know, when when, a, when I'm working with a script writer, they know what to do. It's kind of like. I tell people, you know, they sit down and they start their slides and they, that's how they start their talk. And it's like, you know what? When they created a Hollywood movie, they didn't just turn on the camera and throw an art actor in front and start filming. They started with something else. And what was it? It was an idea. And then they had to sell the idea to the, the producers and then they had to create a script. And then this, from the script, we create storyboards. And the storyboards, I tell people, you want to create storyboards before you go to PowerPoint you know, or start creating your slides, kind of what visual ideas do you want to match up with? And I'm creating a new free offer. I don't have it ready yet, but it's, um, it's a, a storyboard. Mm. It's a storyboard in the form of PowerPoint where they can drop in their visuals and their scripts on the same thing, it, kind of what they do in Hollywood. And this is what I learned when I first started working at that multimedia company is the art director was great at hand drawing the, the storyboards. He was awesome. I could never draw like that. And he would say, okay, I want the guy standing over here. He's got a three quarter turn of his head and, you know, a uh, head and shoulder shot and then pan back. And, and so it was like they were shooting video, but they were also shooting stills for these slides. And uh, so from learning from that, it's kind of like, we want to, we want to storyboard your talk. So it puts them on a journey. Like you're telling little strings of stories, but you're also, stringing them together for an outcome. 
So if you were to talk to a creative professional or a designer, I mean, those sorts of people have to present their work all the time via presentations to um, to their clients. And it's not so much of a slide presentation per se as in terms of a speech, but it's still kind of a bit of a it's a you're you're taking the client on a journey and you want to get a result at the end. You want to get a result from that um, audience. So is there any kind of um, uh, association between that sort of presentation of presenting creative work for effect to what you do? Yeah, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't say it's any different. And I think um, one of the distinctions I talk about when I work with speakers is what's the listening of the room? Mm-hmm. And they're like, what does that mean? I said, well, what are they listening for? You know, they're coming to see you. They saw what you're talking about. There's some idea in their head. And obviously different audience members may have different ideas in their head of what they're going to get but they have a listening. They're listening for something. And are you going to provide that? And if you don't know the listening of you, you better figure it out because otherwise you're just going to be a talking head up there. And so the same thing with an artist um, going to show their work or whatever, what's the listening of the room? What are they listening for? What are they looking for? And I like to ask questions because it's sort of like I'm reading their mind because when Mm -hmm. they tell me stuff, it's like, okay, they're revealing themselves. And it's like, y'all, the last art director we had, was didn't listen well and and they were very critical and this and that and so I said okay they don't want someone too critical but we know all artists are critical and uh, they didn't listen well so I'm a, so you might want to tune in that you know what I'm a great listener you know so see what their pain points are and then speak to that that is gospel because I I say the same thing which is that you know I I, w- I was told by a managing director who I really respected an agency I used to work at he said if you go in and are doing a credentials presentation or a slide presentation always start off by asking the client what their biggest pain point is like what's keeping them up at night what's the thing that they most need to solve and listen really closely because then as you number one, if you can never get to the slide deck, you're actually going to win because that shows you care and it really has turned into a relationship already. But yeah. in listening to those answers, you can then kind of pinpoint those hot buttons that as you mm-hmm. go through the presentation, you want to hit on those buttons because that's what's going to turn them your way, right? I think yeah, that that's a really exactly. great observation. Giving a presentation is a story arc. Right. So mm-hmm. as you think about you've seen 10 zillion presentations and there are there are story arcs that are archetypal in a way. Right. That, that are kind of classic outlines of storytelling. Are there any storytelling arcs that jump out at you as so classic that people should know about them and then they may not? I wouldn't say I'm an expert on the different story arcs. So unfortunately, <laughs> but um, I, I just go back to when I've seen impact for speakers or maybe they weren't so impactful, but they switched or did something. And it was like, you can feel the room shift. Mm. Like, Ooh, you know, that was cool. Um, and you know, you, you hear the speeches of, uh, Martin Luther King and, and, um, John F. Kennedy and stuff. And, and there were things that said that just kind of permeate through the years. We hear that, but like, how can you impact them? Um, what difference do you want to make? Like if you had one sentence that you could say, that they walk away with and they'll remember that's who you are. When you're presenting slides or developing slides and you may not be working with someone like you who really you know, knows their stuff, what should you keep in mind in terms of what you do in slides to really grab people's attention? Are there any kind of tricks or techniques that people could learn from? 
Yeah, and it's so funny because we're talking and normally I'll show slides because I'll show before and afters, but I found that I can even have a conversation and never show anything. And just through speaking about it, it's like when, when I get on stage, like how many of you have, have ever experienced the boring slide presentation? And they all laugh. It's like, yeah, I have. And we all seen that, you know, stark white slide with all the text. You can't even read it. And then they start reading it to you and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, don't do that. <laughs> First of all, don't do that. But then you want to look at, like, especially with creatives, how can we be different? And if you look at all the slideshows, don't do that. What could be different? And I, I, I have one story that I love. Um, I was at a graphic design um, conference, and the art, the creative director from Hallmark Cards was there, and he was speaking at lunch. And it was in a cafeteria, so he wasn't on stage. And they had a little chair next to a wall. And we we're all same level. And he had 12 cards pasted to the behind the wall. And they all had numbers in the corner, one through 12. And they had little drawings, but we're so far away, we can't really see. And so he started his talk. He said, pick a number between one and 12. Someone said seven. And he goes in and picks the cards. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And he might show the drawing, but it really didn't matter. He That strung his story. So that, that sparked a story of like, oh, I worked with this artist, or I did this or that. And... Um, so we, as the audience, got to pick the order, mm. like pick a number. And so I stole that idea because my favorite quote in the world is Picasso. He said, good artists borrow, great artists steal. So I'm going to steal that idea. And I had to give a presentation like a month later at the company I worked for, that um, uh, sign making company. And um, they wanted to get me to go back east and speak to the, um, the group there because that was the bigger part of the company and they had all the programmers and and they loved the way I ran my art department. They, they loved the way I ran. Yeah. Well, I had an artist uh, art department of eight people. I was I was running the department, and we grew from twenty five people to three hundred or one fifty. And wow. so my department was me, and then it grew to like nine people. So he said, "You really know how to run a department. I want you to run the um, engineering." I was like, "Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm not doing that." <laughs> And we're both like herding cats. So why would I go there? You know, yeah. but he wanted me to present and kind of talk about, well, what does the art department do? And where do, where do we fit in the company? And so I had 10 slides and I did the number thing. And I said, okay, pick a number between one and 10, eight. And so that I go to the thing and hit eight, enter. Cause on PowerPoint, if you are in show mode, you hit the number and hit enter, it'll go there. So if you're going to slide 23, two, three, enter. And it was magical because they never seen that. And all I had was like an image, you know, and I just told a story. So what could be different that really has you stand out, but lets you tell your story in, in a creative way, but it gets your point across and they're like, never going to forget you. So you think that, that way. And I, yeah. That's I call an, it the Hollywood effect, right? Yeah. The and, wow and, they're, and they're writing their own story because they're choosing the narrative arc themselves. And I think I think that's great. And because, you know, when people present, there's always the classic, like they ask a few questions and they get people to stand up or they get them to raise their hands just to show, you know, seed this engagement. But that's a really, that's a really unique kind of way to establish power and engagement at the same time. You know, for them to feel a sense of power in driving, you know, getting behind the driver's wheel of the presentation. When they feel like they created it, right? So right. you're as an audience member, you're the creator of the outcome. And really, that's what it is because you're the creator of your own life. This episode of the Brand Design Masters podcast is sponsored by Bring Your Own Laptop. BYOL.me is a top tier Adobe application video training website 
featuring Daniel Scott. Daniel's a certified Adobe trainer and keynote speaker at the Adobe Max conference every year. At byol.me forward slash Philip, you can learn everything from the basics to advanced aspects of your favorite Adobe applications, all for one low monthly subscription fee. Visit byol.me forward slash Philip, P-H-I-L-I-P. Again, that's byol.me forward slash Philip. I just know you're going to be amazed at Bring Your Own Laptops courses. So slide presentations are, you know, to a certain extent, you are marketing to an audience, right? You're trying to lead them in a journey. Let's talk about your marketing of your brand a little bit. How have you built your brand? How do people know about Bridget Callahan? How do you go about um, showing up so people are aware of you? Well, that's an interesting story, too, because I've been in marketing all my life, but I never knew how to market myself. And uh, so I was turned on to Lisa Sasevich in 19 uh, or tw- 2016, and she uh, has the Speak to Sell model. She teaches Speak to Sell, which is the program. And it was a, a year-long mastermind, and there was about uh, 180 people in that mastermind. So it was not a small mastermind. And I actually stayed for two years because I learned the basic model, but then I was I was rubbing elbows with these other people who mm. were using her model and they're all speaking to sell and they need slides, you know. So it was a great way to kind of get there. But then I realized too, I'm not I'm not speaking on stage. I work behind the curtain. I would never be on stage. And it, I'm at a thing that teaches you how to speak. And I was like, I guess I have to speak. So I was the reluctant speaker. And then I realized, you know. I should probably learn this because I'm helping others do it. Right. And so I started like a 10 minute talk, you know, and um, slide shame to slide fame or whatever. (laughs) And really just showed before and afters and people were mesmerized. Wow. Like they were speechless because they've never seen what a good slide looks like. So then I saw, I want to, I want to abolish the boring slide. I want to make sure that there's no audience members that suffer what I've seen them suffer through in the 30 Mm. years of working in live events. Mm -hmm. And how can I do that? And it's working with speakers so that they can really present well and that that audience is on the edge of their seat. They're leaning in, they're glad they came and they appreciated the effort that you put in to present to them. And that's, that helps with having some great visuals to show that. And so most people, when they, I have an office hours month, once a month, I, it's free and they can come and sit for 90 minutes and ask questions or how do I find a good image or this and that. And uh, I, we had it yesterday and a lot of them are just coming to their looky loose. I swear to God, they're looky loose. They have no questions. They just want to watch. And it's like, okay, now I have to make stuff up because no one's asking <laughs> questions. <laughs> but it's so much fun because they're just in awe of how to do that. I have one more story too. I was yeah, working yeah, yeah. for a, um, a cardiologist conference in San Diego. And I'd been doing that for 12 years. And um, most of the doctors, they just come in with their deck. There's, there's no design there. <laughs> it's like their typical doctor deck. And one of the doctors from back East, uh, high level um, doctor that people looked up to, he came in, we were having lunch backstage. And he says, I, I, I'm speaking at one. Can I review my slides? I think I need to make a couple changes. I said, absolutely. So I go over to the computer I pull his slides up and he said, well, let's go to slide four, change this. And I'm doing it. And he's like, wow, I got to learn PowerPoint. (laughs) (laughs) And I just laugh because, you know, years and years of learning the program, I'm very fast and people are are astounded at how fast I am. And so I took a big sigh and says, yeah, I got to learn heart surgery. (laughs) 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 He almost fell out of his chair. I bet he did. 
And oh my God. At first, I think he was a little mad because he's not a heart surgeon. He's a cardiologist and they don't get along oh, back then. Oh, wow. And that's a nuance you didn't know, right? I know. So I knew it. I knew it. It was like one of those digs because I learned from a little kid how to be sarcastic. <laughs> I love it. And uh, we became good friends. Like every year he'd come back and say, where's Bridget? <laughs> I, want to, I want some slide help. <laughs> so you said PowerPoint. You're an expert in PowerPoint. I am a keynote person. So what is the, what's the arm wrestle in your mind about keynote and PowerPoint? You know, I would have loved to stay in keynote because I'm a Mac person, but 90% of all the people that would come and ask for my help are using PowerPoint and they're on PC and stuff. But there's a lot of Mac people that use PowerPoint too. PowerPoint's been around for a long time and early stages of power. Do you know what the program was before PowerPoint? No. It was uh, Aldous and it was called Persuasion. Oh, okay. So all this was freehand. Remember before? Yes, Illustrator? I do remember freehand before Illustrator. Yeah. 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 So all this persuasion, I think, was one of the first out of the gate. But then Adobe just stepped all over them. Not Adobe, PowerPoint, um, Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> and they just couldn't get some things right. PowerPoint could never get some things right. When we're working live backstage and we not have to make edits, so you have to click five, six, seven, eight times, and it should just be one or two clicks. And we tell them all this, and they still haven't learned it. So. PowerPoint is the bane of our existence, truly, you know, for us people who who do these live events, but it's like what's most used. And they've they've caught up with their animations and their reveals and stuff to to kind of rival what Keynote does. Keynote hasn't done too much develop in the last few years. So, I mean, I love Keynote. It's free when you get a Mac and stuff like that. I have no problem with working in Keynote. And what I love too is if I'm going to, I work faster in PowerPoint, I could design the basics in PowerPoint and then port it over to Keynote or port it over to Google Slides because some people like the Google Slides. So uh, understanding how the different formats work and stuff, I mean, um, I've just learned all the nuances of PowerPoint. I got hired to fly to Australia, six-day trip, uh, they gave me business class because it was longer than six hours on the flight. And so I got to fly on an A380 in business class. <laughs> That's the two-decker plane. It was awesome. But all I was hired for was to make sure their videos played in PowerPoint. It's like they didn't want to hire a video guy. This was like 50 people in the audience. But, okay, you're hiring me because I know PowerPoint and I know how to get videos to work. And back about 10 years ago, you had to play with codecs and and all these doctors would send in these videos that just don't play on a Mac or a PC and depending on what machine you want. So sometimes we'd have two machines, you know, ready to project and see which one w- would play it. So, but now, <laughs> I know, right? But I just got really good at how can we, you know, fix this. And uh, so that was fun. Um, how do you stay inspired in what you do? How do you learn, you know, new creative techniques or new t- techniques in your world? Do you have any mentors or people that you look at or are inspired by? Well, one of my top mentors is uh, Nancy Duarte, uh, Duarte.com. She's like the queen of it all, right? And uh, I love the work that she does. And there's others too. Uh, Gar Reynolds, I think, wrote some books on uh, presentation and stuff. You know, those are like, they're putting it out there and, you know, we should study all this, but most people don't. And so I'm kind of like being that more uh, middle class type person. It's like, I know where you're at. I know, and I can help you. And, uh, but now, you know, like you said, what, how did, how did you get your marketing going? It's, it's been word of mouth, but since Lisa Satchevich is like, okay, now I got to get up on stage and I got to speak. And now with the virtual, it's so much easier and I'm meeting people and they see me talk and they're, they're calling me and I'm getting work. I'm getting lots of work from Canada. And I was at another event. They heard what I did and they called me and said, I need your help now. 
I need your help now. I'm I'm flying um, to Necker Island to present to Richard Branson. I need my slides now. <laughs> so, so wait, where did they? Where are they seeing you present? Or are they they're seeing you there helping someone present? No, I was actually attending an event. Uh, it was called the Virtual Event on Virtual Events. Oh, so you're okay. you're presenting on? No, I was expertise. an attendee. I was oh, attending. Okay. So I'm I'm participating. I paid for the ticket, right? Yeah. And it was over 1,400 people, and we were split into nine Zoom rooms, okay? And we went to the same Zoom room every day for three days, so we only got to know like our 130 people or whatever. And uh, somehow I got picked to go on stage as a hot seat on Friday. Oh, wow. And um, so then for that 20 minutes, everyone knew who, who I was and what I did. And it was so funny because you'd love this. You know, I've been in your program and it was like, I felt like I, I, I can't get to that level. What's it, you know, how do I be a strategist? How can I charge the big bucks and everything? And it says, Bridget, you're already a strategist. We read your website. We read what you do. You're a strategist. And it's like, okay, I guess I just have to own it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Full disclosure, Bridget has been part of the Brand Design Masters Guild, which is a mastermind group that I run. And I guess your participation in that group as well has, you know, surfaced you and eight other people's, you know, kind of radar, right? And I know mm -hmm. that you've gotten some work out of that or made some really great connections within that group. Oh, yeah. Uh, referrals are a big thing. You know, they may not do it themselves, but they definitely say, hey, I know the person for you. I always tell them, I say, if you ever hear, oh, I got a talk coming up and I have to do my slides. And I say, if you ever hear that, I want Bridget Callen to pop in your brain. <laughs> And that's all. <laughs> Absolutely. What would you say that you do in order to to think about the next step? What is your next step in your growth? Um, I'm growing my business. Uh, my goal is to, how am I doing that? Um, getting more high-end clients, um, getting more organized in the back end to make sure that the projects are going through smoothly, being profitable, you know, really projecting to, you know, what's it going to take? Do I want to go to seven figures? Um, and if I were to do that, what would be the impact on me as a business owner and the people that, you know, work with me? I don't like to say they work for me. I, we're all a team together. You know, we're creating this together. And uh, eventually I'd like to sell, sell the business because, you know, I would like to just be the mentor, retire, and, and, and I'll, I'll be doing this forever. As long as I can breathe, I'll be helping people and mentoring. But um, I, I would, you know, it's stemming back from that stepfather saying, you'll never make money as an artist. Right. <laughs> I want to retire, you know, knowing I made money as an artist and I made a business that can live beyond me and really makes a difference for these people. So how are you, and that's, and that's one of those things that I think is, is hard for entrepreneurs to get their head around, particularly if they are personal brand entrepreneurs and, and a lot of their credibility is based on their own personal knowledge and experience. And so what does your team look like and how are you duplicating your knowledge in them if, if, you, if you are looking to sell? So the biggest thing is getting together all the SOPs, the standard operating procedures okay. of like, how do you have a sales call? How do you intake the client? How do you... Um, start the conversation, uh, you know, what's the strategy part, what's the design part, you know, and then how do you serve up, you know, revisions and, and changes and the communication with the client. And then how do you end the project and how do you keep track of, are we staying profitable? You know, you can't just run it into the ditch and, and keep spending all these hours. You know, there's a certain, most of the projects we have are deadline oriented. 
like I'm speaking next week or I have a talk in three weeks, you know, or I'm flying on a plane to Necker Island. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to Richard Branson. (laughs) Right. So creating that system and being able to work remotely, I've been working remotely since 1999. So I've had this dialed in long ago and we use Skype to communicate internally. Um, My art director lives about 30 miles from here, so we can definitely get together if we need to, but we don't, you know. And um, I have some other people that work with me that are out of California um, and, uh, you know, out of the country, actually. And we dialogue on a daily basis. And they're part of the team because they know how we work. They know how our clients have the expectations they have. And it's really just creating that team environment and creating those, you know, processes and procedures so that you can, it's repeatable. Because when you're handing it off to someone else, yeah, you might be there for another year or something to kind of help fold them into it. But, you know, they have to have a way that they know how to sell every time. They know how to get their target client. And and I'm still learning all that. I'm still learning the sales part. I've been in a sales program for two years and it helped immensely. I'm mm. closing easily two out of three, you know, three wow, out of Wow, that's amazing. Four out that's of five. That's really great. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like, to me, my stepfather was a really great salesman and there was a slickness about him that I didn't like all oh, these car salesman, right? He was my stepfather. We had this contentious, but I really respect him today. He passed away, um, you know, long ago, but I, I see now what he was teaching me and what I learned from him. And, um, so I, I said, I'm not a salesman. I'll never be a salesman. It was like, I have my own business, but I'm not a salesman. <laughs> so I had to kind of get over that and, and see how can I be, how can you sell without being salesy? We've all heard that, but it's really, I'm listening for, can I help them? Can I make a difference for them? Mm-hmm. Can I help them beyond what they can see? You know, and that's what I love because, you know, meeting people like you and, and others and, and it just enriches my life and how I can perpetrate or, or help pass on all this knowledge. I, I just love it. I mean, I stay motivated every day. So how, what would you attribute your, you know, amazing four out of five close rate? Like, what is it that you're doing in sales now that you weren't doing before, do you think? Uh, well, I think it's monetizing, uh, getting to the figures of like, uh, how much is it costing you to go to the speaking event? How many people in the room? What are you selling? How how many have you sold in the past? You know, getting the 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 dollars and the numbers together so that they can see. Um, okay, well, you know, it's going to cost about eight grand to work with me. Hey, grand! I can't afford that. They always like choke, and I can't breathe now. And <laughs> but when I say, okay, so you're going to speak. What's to the 50 risk of people. screwing up? Yeah, right. What's the ROI? You're making a sale of twenty thousand dollars a piece, right? And fifty people. And you said last time you only had two people sign up. Well, if you get one more person to sign up, wouldn't that pay for myself and more? And so when you talk in those terms, they can see it's like converting one more person. But like I, one of my star students was actually in the Speak to Sell program with me, but she never saw herself as a speaker, yet she was leading a three-day event. And she was, I'm I'm sorry if you're listening to this, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, but you were horrible on stage. (laughs) (laughs) You're all set up. Not naming names. Horrible. I think there were about 30 people in the room and my other client who was also in that program was speaking. Well, you know him, Jonathan Christian. And I helped him with the slides and he rocked it. Everybody rushed to the back of the room and bought his, his uh, product. And, you know, 
she called me two weeks later. She says, I want slides like Jonathan. And mm. I'm like, well, I can help you with that, but you've got to bring it. Yeah. Jonathan brings it too. If anyone out there knows Jonathan Christian, he totally brings yes, it. Yes. Jonathan rocks. But she, um, she listened to me and she was working with some other people as well. But I said, you have to practice every day. She got invited to speak to an event of 75 attendees who paid $20,000 each to be there. It's like, well, they don't have a money concern because they're real, real estate investors. Mm-hmm. And she was selling them on how to write their book. You know, I can help you write your book or I can write it for you, but this is why you need it. It's an authority piece, blah, blah, blah. And she was really good at her business. She was just scared to be on stage. And I said, well, first of all, we need to work on your slides. But then once we closed the gap on what the visuals were and she practiced, every day she practiced, she sent me recordings. After about the third one, I stopped watching. (laughs) She doesn't know that, but (laughs) (laughs) I would spot watch, but she was learning. And it was that practice. It was that practice every day for 30 days. When she finally got on stage, she had the confidence and she was proud and she knew her stuff and she knew how to connect to them. And yeah, she was had to sell a $2,000 product in a 30 minute talk, which is unheard of. Mm-hmm. So they, they really demanded a lot of her. And I said, well, you know what? It, it probably won't work, but let's try anyway. And so she did. She sold, I think about 8,000 that first one, which barely covered my fee, but um, she got asked back and she got asked back a month later to speak to 300 people in Canada. So we revised her slides a little bit. She practiced some more. And within 30 minutes on that stage, she made $75,000. Wow. There you go. That's a that's a nice case study for you. Absolutely. <laughs> so this has been awesome. A great talk. Um, Bridget, I always end my interviews with one question. And that is, do you have a manifesto or some sort of mantra that you try to live your life by? Well, I, I really love making a difference for people. And when, when you're talking with me, I'm always asking questions because I want to know what's important to you. What are you about? And um, how can I support you in that? You know, whether, whether I give you advice or I guide you to someone or just listening. I mean, my client, the first night we got on the phone, she started crying because all these things were breaking down and all I, I didn't know what to do other than listen. And the next day she was like on fire. So it was just being, creating that vessel for listening that really helped her. So what I tell people is like, um, your success is by design. Mm. So I can help you design that success, but you know what is ultimately you're, you're the designer of your own success. How do you want it to go? And we talk about like living into the future, you know, but what does that mean? You, you have to create that future. What's out there for you that you want to close the gap on. And for me, I would love to create a business that's super successful and I can sell. And you know what, if it doesn't happen, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, at least I did my best. You know, I'm not giving up because it might fail. You know, most likely it probably failed. But you know what? I'm not ga- banking on that. I'm banking on success. And Absolutely. I have a, a point to prove. But I also have a, I think I have a really unique offer. And there's other people that do what I do. There's there's PowerPoint operators all over the place. And they do what I do. And some do better than I do. But they've never come out and told people that. And I'm now standing in front of the stage and saying, here, this is, there's people like us that do what we do and we can really help you. Well, you may not know this, but the, the banner text on the homepage of my website for the last three years has been success by design. I stole it from you. <laughs> you did? No, you didn't. No, I just want I, I wanted you to make sure that you didn't think I stole it from you. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, that's good. Well, like Picasso said, you know, there's no original ideas. <laughs> that's right. I, I Well, I so I obviously completely agree with you. Um, so, Bridget, where can people find you? Where's the best place to connect with you? 
Well, my website that shows samples and stuff is called presentationdesignexpert.com. And um, I have another website that's a membership site that lets people kind of um, look over my shoulder and see how I fix your slides and stuff. That's my office hours. And that website's cool. called createslidesthatconvert.com. And there's a free freebie there if you want to check it out. But um, that's we've got over almost 400 members now. And it's growing and it's great because um, we have a following and we're creating content for these people because they're listening and they're learning and they're making a difference for their people. So it's really exciting. That's awesome. And for anyone listening, those links will be in the show notes. So definitely go check out Bridget. She's absolutely amazing. And thank you so much for coming on and talking with us on the Brand Design Masters podcast. Thank you, Philip. Good to see you. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com slash muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.